Hi, everyone, and welcome to the European Startup Show, where we delve into the European startup scene, one startup at a time. In today's show, we are actually going to focus on the small but mighty Baltic states of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. My guest today is Zane Boyare, Head of Marketing for Startup Wise Guys Accelerator. With over 200 investments in early stage startups, Startup Wise Guys is one of the top investors in the broader CEE region and Nordics. Baltic region has a population of 6 million, but has produced some incredibly well-known companies, including Skype, TransferWise, and more recently, Bolt and Pipedrive. So I thought it would be interesting to delve deeper into this region's entrepreneurship scene. Zani is going to help us with this discussion as the Startup Wise Guys, in collaboration with EIT Digital, have just published the Baltic Report, which now in its third year has become the go-to resource for a comprehensive outlook on the Baltic startup scene. Welcome to the show, Zani. <laughs> Thanks and great to be here. Zani, maybe you can start off by telling me a little bit about what does the startup scene look like in the Baltic region? I have to admit, I've never been to the Baltic region. That's a great question. And uh, I'll, I'll try to zoom out of my own little bubble living here in, in the Baltics and uh, myself from Riga, Latvia. First of all, when we talk about Baltic, there's almost a question, is that a country of itself? <laughs> and, and that's really, Baltics are three very small countries by the Baltic Sea, right below Scandinavia, if you like. And I think what you already mentioned is fascinating, that this, this region, if you count together, it's only around 6 million inhabitants. So I know that people from bigger countries say, oh my God, our capital is bigger than that. And you even have three different languages in this region, right? But the striking thing is that being a post-Soviet zone, so post-Soviet region, and I myself am a Soviet kid, so when I was born, it was still a very, very different political and economic regime. It is fascinating to look how this very small region has developed. And especially if you look at Estonia, so imagine they're like 1.2, 1.3 million inhabitants and they have five startup unicorns. And the, the volume, yeah, the volume of like, like uh, it's basically like if you, if you tell you're a startup founder, you're almost like idol, you know, you're like a pop star in, in Estonia. And I think this positive vibe is definitely spreading also across the two neighboring countries. But usually if, if you ask kind of what is the one thing that is special about this region in terms of startups, it's funny to think there's like no local market. What does it mean for the startups is that there's no way you can spread and test something if it's one or six million, right? So any founder coming from these three countries is forced to think global from day one. And there's a lot of companies registered in UK, especially in the fintech scene, transfer-wise being probably from the most visible ones, but actually there are others like Moniz, Transfergo and others coming actually from the Baltics. Uh, as well, there's a whole trend to go to US, for example. And there's some companies who are kind of like they launch their home office in Estonia, but, but months later they are already in Silicon Valley or elsewhere in the States. So definitely the small but mighty thinking, it works. And yes, I would say that if you look overall broader, the whole kind of like post-Soviet countries, there is a bit of a question, what is the secret sauce of Baltics? Is it the being close to the Nordics? And I think in case of Estonia, probably the friendship with Finland definitely has helped them being kind of like ahead, ahead of the curve and ahead of the other two Baltic neighbors. But I think it's also just kind of something in the genes. So mm -hmm. we have this, I would say, the Nordic aesthetics and ethics 
But on the other hand, this still hunger and craving for success, which I think comes when the political and economic system changes. I see. And would you say there's a difference between an Estonian entrepreneur versus a Lithuanian versus a Latvian? Love this question. And it's very often we even hear it locally here, which is funny. And actually, when we were coming up with the Baltic report, we said we don't want to compare the countries. We want to look at it as a region. But there are differences. And it is funny to think that to go from Riga to any of the other neighboring capitals, it's four hours bus or car drive, incredibly close by. But there is a big difference in mentality and also in the business approach. I like to look at it from a joke, (laughs) actually. And I would say being Latvian, being there in the middle, I would say that uh, Lithuanians historically have been extremely good in trade. So they are definitely the ones who are, we call them execution machines, and they're very good in sales and really kind of going for ambitious goals. And in the first uh, report three years ago, we were looking at the ICO phenomenon. Lithuania was very strong in the ICOs. And the, many of people that we interviewed said, well, we're just life hackers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if we can figure out a way how to hack a system, we will. But you can definitely see it a lot in how they, how they work. So definitely very much sales, very much execution oriented. However, if you look north from Latvia, if you look at the the Estonian scene, I think it's unique. It's like a phenomenon of its own. You can even call it the unicorn land. We Latvians joke that Estonians are slow and I always say it is worth the wait. (laughs) When when something comes out, it, it is very well thought through. Mm. And definitely another thing that I say with a very positive envy is that Estonians have a knack for packaging things, uh, in packaging meaning uh, marketing, Marketing. branding, telling the story. Mm. Uh, So whenever you see an Estonian startup pitch, you can tell where where he's from or she's from because of the way the story is told. And if I look at my home country, and it's a bit harder to to judge because this is where my roots are, I would say that, uh, that again, I'm going to do it through a joke that Latvians like it the hard way or they're the hard workers. And if you look at the industries represented in Latvia, they're often very difficult. So there's a lot of drone production. There's a lot of hardware. There's a lot of biotech or science-based startups, a lot of deep tech. So clearly the very well developed educational system. And actually, that's a positive heritage from the Soviet times, as well as the, the manufacturing definitely has put uh, put Latvians more into this, let's really dig in, you know, and let's really do some serious things. And if I said that Lithuanians, Lithuanians are very execution-oriented, then I think Estonians are living in their self-fulfilling prophecy. I would see younger and younger startup founders. You can see as young as 16 and 18-year-olds, but already with the unbelievable skills and understanding about how business needs to be run. And if you think back, this region got independence only in early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a perspective of 30 years, but it's unbelievable to kind of witness this change. It's just fascinating to hear you talk about these countries that are so close and they're all just considered to be Baltic. And yet there's such differences in how they are and what they seem to be good at. So how do the entrepreneurs from this region view each other? For what you've said, one person is great at storytelling and branding and they're slower and one is execution. It sounds to me like between the three countries, you have the perfect group of entrepreneurs to build and scale companies. So how do entrepreneurs from this region 
view each other? This is very, very personal, Zane's opinion. <laughs> but I would say that Estonians are like bigger brother. I would say that the ecosystem is easily five years ahead and Lithuania is really, really catching up and Latvia is a little bit of standstill in terms of investment this year, but, but it has not been that way. So I hope we're catching up. Having Skype, having this early success from the Estonian technical entrepreneurs, they got access to money in the ecosystem way earlier on. So if you would ask any Estonian if they are comparing themselves with the Baltic neighbors, they would say, no, <laughs> you know, the, the world, the world is our, our plate. But I would, I would honestly also give them the credit. It is, it is objectively kind of more developed ecosystem. And there, and I would say kudos to, to their government having this strategy very, very early on, on the picture. So I would say it's, it's just fruits of a very long-term strategic work, but also this magical success of just having this experience and these role models in the ecosystem just earlier than the neighboring, uh, neighboring countries. However, if you look look overall at the region, I would say I wish there was a bit more collaboration. And we're saying that as an as an investor and accelerator that is pan-Baltic. Mm-hmm. And we see more and more positive trends in this. But if a few years ago, it would not be very typical for an Estonian business angel to invest in a Lithuanian uh, company and vice versa. Right now, I think our rep- report maybe has helped or overall this understanding that you're stronger if you go together. But I still think there's a place for development. However, I would totally agree with you that this combo is extremely interesting, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your report. I found it really fascinating, the amount of detail and all the different aspects of the ecosystem that you were able to bring out in your report, having now done this a third time. What are some of the highlights and what are some of the findings that surprised you? I am still very overwhelmed (laughs) from the report itself. It's 84 pages and it's quite a read. So anyone who's listening, kind of fingers crossed you can get through it. (laughs) It's right now only in a PDF digital version, but we're looking into moving in a more digital friendly version in the future. I would say that there's a lot of things. One thing specifically, what we did this year, we launched a survey and this was the first time. Previously, we were aggregating data and kind of like expert opinion. But this year we asked the ecosystem representatives, anybody could answer to this, kind of how 2020, which is a bizarre year, how has it been? And the very interesting finding for me was that ecosystem in general, if you look at the supportive organizations, at corporates, at governmental stakeholders, they think that this year was worse for startups than startup founders themselves see it. And I was thinking, okay, kind of why is that? So startups themselves, even though they probably were affected uh, very severely and not all of them positively, why are they seeing things in a much lighter and more positive way? And when we talked about this with uh, some panels with experts and, and contributors to our report, we realized that probably it's just this startup way of thinking. This is the mindset question that that building a startup, especially in such a small market, and historically there was very little money available in this region for early, early stage startups. You're just used to bumps. You're used to bumps on on the road. You're used to pivots. You're used to these almost daily challenges. Therefore, even a pandemic 
can can is just kind of like one of those situations where you really need to restructure. And for example, if we look at some areas which should have been impacted very negatively, for example, event sector, so event tech, we were talking with our portfolio company, we were talking with other bigger players, and they said, yes, that in, in April, they thought they're going to die as a company. And right now, they're maybe have grown even 7x something. The same way we were talking with our portfolio company, ZT City, which is in delivery business. So in a way, amazing year for them. But they said that actually the, this situation was kind of like shifted their way of doing things. They, they completely changed their business model, actually seeing opportunities that they wouldn't have seen without the crisis. So I would say this mentality of seeing challenges and opportunities was definitely something but I wouldn't say even a pure surprise, but more as a assurance. Yeah. This is maybe also the hope for this small region. And this is maybe why we are where we are. And there was a lot of other things. It was, uh, it was very interesting to look into how the, how the um, work-life balance has been. And that's another interesting finding that came mostly from the survey was that people who had the opportunity to work in a hybrid format, and let's remember that the summer was actually rather calm and normal in the, yeah. Baltic, uh, in the Baltics. So people who had the opportunity to work in a hybrid model rated themselves happier and they rated themselves in a better place mm -hmm. than those who were entirely working from home. And I think this still is something that we will be dealing with mm -hmm. at least for, for the spring period, if not the full 2021. This is for me to prove that we still need this human touch. And even though it's amazing to have a connectivity in, we have amazing network coverage in these small countries, which uh, helps many of us to resume to our countryside houses and working from there. But still you want this office, you want this kind of split between the work and home. Interesting. I went through the, the report and some of it obviously was what you've already talked about, which is there were a lot more startups founded in Estonia, a lot more investment received in Estonia compared to Lithuania and Latvia, which you've given some perspective on why. One of the things that I found interesting was that most of the funding for the large deals across all the different countries came either from UK or US. Why is that? Does that mean that the funding market in the Baltics for Baltic startups is not as developed? Basically, later stage funding has been something also historically kind of hard to access. And I think this region is still still developing. In Estonia, you can see very, very strong business angel ecosystem. But the moment we're talking about really big funding rounds, so be it Series A up, yes, mostly, the, mostly it's foreign capital. I would say on one hand, that's a very good sign. It means mm -hmm. that the foreign investors actually appreciate the startups uh, from this region. And I would say that there has this kind of mentality has changed significantly over the, I would say, the last five years. But yes, there, there, even though there's actually a lot of funds here, but sometimes also for startups who are tackling these other markets, it's very important to get the investors from the relevant market because that kind of usually comes together with some connections and also some credibility mark. If it's a U.S. investor and you're operating in U.S. mostly, I think it just makes sense. You touched on this when we spoke a little earlier on the deep tech expertise in Latvia. I also read in your report that all startups receiving the biggest funding in 2020 are in niche markets. Can you elaborate a bit more on what you mean by that? 
<laughs> yeah, so I would say that this is more about product market fit and that the the startup market, be it in fintech, be it in deep tech, is, is severely saturated. So there's a lot of competition there. And actually, this is where we see that if a startup can really find their target audience, maybe that can be rather narrow and often in B2B segment where we are stronger in, you can see that happening. This is what kind of helps them win, right? Helps them win in the eyes of the customers and helps them win in the eyes of of investors. Do you find all three countries have startups across all different verticals or do you see some sort of specialization and expertise forming in these countries in a certain area? Yeah, that's, that's a very, very good question. And just a disclaimer about the startups to watch list this year. Actually, big thanks to Crunchbase, who helped us with the data calibration. So it's not only our contributors and our expertise, also data from a bigger data source. But just a disclaimer that these verticals were chosen uh, specifically to kind of shine light on where's the biggest movement in the region, but there's a lot more. So this is not an exclusive, extensive list of all there is. This is just a preview to give the taste uh, to foreign investors, which um, verticals maybe they should be looking at. But if we look across the six that we are shining light on in this report and also in the database, this is digitally available to see, there are actually very interesting trends. And uh, I would say that one area where this region is definitely very strong is fintech. Mm-hmm. And if you would ask any of the countries, all of them would raise their hand and say, yes, we are the fintech capital. It is Lithuania who has, has put this positioning the loudest in terms of their PR and marketing as a country. But I would say that each of the countries uh, have very big players in that segment. And funny enough, most of the early and now unicorn level startups have come from the Baltic people living in the UK and having issues with the banks. <laughs> so with the, with the international transfers or opening accounts and so on. So so UK definitely has played a role in the development of fintechs, <laughs> uh, fintechs in the Baltics. So fintech definitely is something. And as I said, you have the big players. We have TransferWise in, in Estonia. We have TransferGo in Lithuania. And actually in Latvia, the peer-to-peer lending is very, very strong. So we have Mintos, for example, and Twino as the two to mention there. B2B is generally also, also an area where we are strong. But I would say that, and, and of course, it's our interest, we're a B2B accelerator. So we don't to work with the B2C startups. Therefore, also, we have chosen this vertical and focus on it a bit more. But I think there's a logic behind it. Any small market is a good place for B2B startup because you can test your, for example, your product for a bank with the local banks. Probably you can reach the CEO of a bank through two phone calls, right? Because small markets come with that beauty. And then once you have tested it in a small market, then you can scale to the bigger ones. And actually Baltics have been rated very, very high on ease of doing business, but we also have done cost of living assessment. And of course, like you just have very much longer runway in this, this part of part of Europe. So, so that's kind of like the big things. But if we look at the deeper, smaller verticals, then we can see definitely cybersecurity is trending in Estonia. Uh, I must say that it has been also strategic positioning from Startup Estonia. And also we have helped a bit as we have run two uh, cybersecurity focused, focused accelerator programs in Estonia, bringing a lot of actually companies outside of, of Estonia, outside of Baltics uh, to this region, especially from Turkey, which is extremely strong in technical talent in this area. Mm. On the other hand, if you look at Latvians, I already mentioned this kind of like deep tech and science tech direction. We noticed the, the most startups there are actually in hardware IoT. 
Mm-hmm. And also in med tech, so there's rather strong and cool things happening here. One of my favorite startups is a cast print. I know that they also have a UK connection and that's a 3D printed cast for basically broken limbs. And, uh, and it's, I know many people say it's just so beautiful, you would be willing to, to buy it as an accessory, but it actually serves a purpose. And the founders are from our portfolio, but I have just seen the business ethic of them and, and also this willingness to develop actually a product, which I believe is still for future. You can also find some extremely funny startups. We have, for example, an amphibia, which is kind of like tricycle and, and a boat. <laughs> we'll see how that develops. There's a lot of drone activity and there is, there's a whole kind of area in these insect farms, like future of food that's more in Lithuania. So there's a lot happening in that. People are trying to figure out ways how we can feed ourselves in a sustainable way. And definitely sustainability is booming, but I think it's, it's worldwide and this crisis mm-hmm. definitely has moved us in that direction. And last but not least, but again, I think it's logical given the strong startups in this region, for example, Bolt that you already mentioned, there's a lot in mobility. Mm. And actually, it's very interesting that this is both in software and apps part, the same as hardware. So there's a lot of e-scooters, for example, a lot of micro-mobility startups, and they're equally spread throughout all three countries, actually. Interesting. Well, some of these sound really, really interesting. And I think after this podcast, I'm going to connect with you and and see if we can get some of these cool startups on the show. So the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was you had a huge section on diversity and women in founder roles. And I saw that compared to the Nordics or the rest of Europe, there's still a lot of work to be done. You only have 9% in Latvia, 14% in Estonia. You're a woman, you're in this space. What's holding women back in this region in doing more startups? Being very active member of Riga Tech Girls, which is one of the NGOs dealing with this, I must say that I'm asking this question myself a lot. And I would say that if we compare ourselves, for example, to more kind of like Eastern and Southern countries, I think we're actually doing relatively good in terms of the gender, kind of not even gender balance, but just respect. So I would say that uh, in our team, we are mostly most likely women. And if you look at the startup ecosystem, a lot of support organizations are actually run by ladies. But I would say that if we look specifically, our research, our research was done for startup founders. So it was mm-hmm. specifically for the entrepreneurs who are the founding members. But I can say that I see definitely a trend with more and more female employees in the startups, especially the bigger they grow, but also then they are less startupy. Personally, being a mother, I would say that definitely the motherhood and just the kind of responsibilities that women have are maybe not making uh, life of a startup founder exactly the thing that you would, would crave for. Uh, but, but on the other hand, I would say that it is more a mindset and even the, how the educational system is set up. And it, there's a lot of stirring and a lot of talk about this, uh, even on a political level, that it's just like, oh, IT and sciences, so it's for guys and humanities and languages and uh, pedagogy, anything in that sector, right? It's for women. But I see positive trend. And I definitely think that uh, uh, having more and more these role models, strong female figures, definitely helps. And what was one of the little surprises if we talk about the diversity section was that in recent years, Lithuania has gone ahead with the diversity in terms of startup founders. So there's more female founders. And I was asking my Lithuanian colleagues what they think about it. And then we were thinking that maybe it's just that overall, this entrepreneurial thinking and the sales thinking that they're just not thinking, oh, you're a female, you're a male, you're just an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. It sounds like 
the story across the rest of the world that we hear. But it's great to see your report and the Atomico report. Every one of them has such a huge section on diversity. And it's not just about women and founders, but also people of color founders and how many of those people are getting funded. Yeah, we actually, it's it's great that you touched upon it. And I personally, even being female in the IT segment, a lot of people are saying, oh, when are you going to rebrand and have the Wise Girls batch? Actually, we have Wise Girls t-shirts, <laughs> which are the favorite merch of our, our yeah. company. But David, our approach is we want to have mo- better mix. We have t- 10% of our portfolio is actually uh, female-founded, and we see this trend increasing, especially as we launched sustainability vertical this year. So a lot more females there. But I also don't want to be biased. I'm not saying that kind of, oh, we should have 50-50. We should have similar opportunities. And if we are not maybe... So yes, this year, we, we not only did the biggest, to our knowledge, research on diversity in the Baltics. And again, big thank you to Crunchbase who provided us for benchmark data apart from our, our knowledge and what we could find in the ecosystem. But we also tried to zoom out of the gender because I think diversity comes in so many forms and, mm-hmm. and it is not... It is not measured. And if it's not measured, you cannot do anything about it. So even though we probably touched like just the surface, so we looked at age, we looked at education, we looked at languages spoken. It is very interesting being very white society. Mm-hmm. We are actually curious about how the foreigners are, are feeling. There's a lot of startup visas given, and there's a kind of big influx from foreign founders, be it from non-EU countries nearby, but actually more and more from further geographies. And this definitely, like if I would say what I would want to develop next year, this yeah. is definitely this section, uh, because I also don't want to be talking only about all oh, female yeah. male founders. It's kind of not the point. It's, yeah. Does everybody have the same opportunities to do this? And I'm a big believer that the more you have diversity in all of its forms, the better it is for kind of like common yeah. good. And, and in a region like Baltics, where you have 6 million people, I hope that the mindset is, we're entrepreneurs, we're going to build the best company and we want people with skills. It doesn't matter what they look like and where they come from. It should be something that more than any other sector, entrepreneurship should be the one which should be able to balance out this diversity element faster than any other vertical. And there's objective need uh, because if we look at these, especially fast-growing companies, uh, think of PipeDrive <laughs> so they, or TransferWise, they have hundreds of local, local people in the offices here and there's just not enough IT talent. And this is why both the influx of the foreign talent plus having more women considering careers in IT is actually extremely, extremely important. I think we are already in a deficit of good IT IT and tech uh, people. So we don't have a choice, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to go from the report to talk a little bit about the accelerator itself. Tell me a little bit about how Startup Wise Guys Accelerator got formed and how you got involved in it. Maybe a bit of backstory there. Definitely. That's an interesting one. <laughs> we are one of the oldest uh, private accelerators in Europe. And we were founded in 2012, so technically eight years ago. And it is a very beautiful origin story because we were founded by, I would say, the same same successful IT tech entrepreneurs. So we were born in Estonia. And uh, there is a term, Estonian mafia, referring to the early tech founders, actually, a lot of them being successful in the U.S. 
And uh, some of these uh, successful entrepreneurs just put some of their surplus money aside to create a fund and an accelerator. And the goal behind it was to help the next generation of the young entrepreneurs to come into place. And I'm very proud to say that even with the very first batch, it was already international. So even though it was Estonian origin, it had this international mindset from day one. So from a small regional accelerator, we actually have grown uh, into being one of the biggest in the whole Europe. We are, I think, on par with Rockstar with uh, more than 200 investments right now. Even for us, it's unbelievable. And just last week, we actually won an award, the Central Eastern Europe Startup Awards as the best accelerator in the region. So fingers crossed for the global one. But I think it's, it's particularly... For me, the moment of pride is that we have kept, first of all, being private when there's so much EU money available for accelerators, but also very, very true to our mission. Mm -hmm. And our mission is to help technical founders become true entrepreneurs and build global successful tech companies. And I would say the whole central kind of Eastern Europe and especially the the post-Soviet bloc entrepreneurship is one of the ways you can really make a big change in mm-hmm. these ecosystems. Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot of the founders that go through our program, even if they don't build a unicorn, they will build a sustainable growth company. They will probably bring enough of return for our investors. We invest very early on. We're usually the first investor in a company. But through going, going through the program, it changes their mindset. Yeah. And the more we have gone forward, actually the program evolves every time. So, so by the time when I joined, we were six people. We, are, we just had the team strategy call, we're 36. So that's the growth in four years. It's, it's incredible. We're like a startup ourselves. So seeing this transformation of these founders, of how they start thinking bigger, how they gain clarity, how they change, it's, yeah, it's just mesmerizing. Sounds really inspiring. So tell me, if there are people that are listening on this podcast, how do they apply to your accelerator? Well, I I hope people know us more and more and being Baltics or not, we're actually, as I mentioned, we're one of the biggest ones in in Europe and we are not geographically focused. So even though the program happens from certain geographies and we expanded to Italy this year and we have new geographies opening next year, we are currently running the program mostly online forced by the situation but we are geographically agnostic so we actually have founders from india and we have founders from africa and we have founders from us and of course the whole whole europe we have a very strong footprint in central eastern europe especially ukraine and turkey so whenever we have 10 startups in the program you can bet there's like nine nationalities there yeah so so definitely geography is not a limitation and we really like to work with people coming from very different backgrounds basically we we are scouting for startups throughout the year. So startupwiseguys.com is your place of reference. This is also where you will find the report. Uh, but also there's a beautiful apply button, which, uh, which makes you come into our area of, of, uh, of vision and our scouting process. Uh, we have four verticals. So we do have a focus and that is B2B SaaS, which is historically uh, where we are the strongest. But recently we have also developed three additional verticals. That is fintech. 
cybersecurity and also sustainability in a very broad spectrum. So basically any startup in these, these four areas, you're very, very welcome. We are mostly working with relatively early stage startups. However, we expect to have ideally already traction, product launch and a market first paying customers. Sometimes if we be really believe in the team, we would take an earlier startup. And we are equity-based accelerator, which means on one hand, we give money. On the other hand, we take equity. So that's something for startups definitely to take into account. But as I mentioned previously, I would say that uh, any startup who comes for money afterwards says it was the program, it is the aftercare, it is the network, and it's the advice that actually was worth the equity given away. Is there any advice you would give to entrepreneurs that are looking to apply, like when they should apply or what they should have or anything else that could give them a higher probability of success in getting admitted into your program? We have these two slogans internally, which I say kind of translates very much our philosophy. One is in MRR, we trust, so monthly recurring revenue. (laughs) And the other one is build your business for your customers, not investors. So I would say we are not an accelerator where you will get investment for a nice PowerPoint slides. Uh, So slide deck is great to have, but it's not the key. We have actually whole geek squad. So we have tech mentors who would actually want to see your product. So we expect to have good technical product there. So we will ask you to actually show the code. And we have people assessing that, but also helping. We are definitely looking at team as any early stage investors. You would always hear this over and over again. It's the team you invest in, not the product, not the idea, not the business. It's going to change. One third of our startups pivot in the first month. So so no surprise there. But I would say apart from the typical things you would look for uh, in the sense of having like a very kind of compatible team and having the right skill set, we're also looking for coachability. And it's a no-brainer. There's amazing founders who are, I would say, I don't want to use the word assholes, but maybe they're not the nicest people on earth that are extremely successful. But if you want to gain value from accelerator or incubator, whichever it is, even not startup-wise, guys, you need to be able to embrace criticism and to kind of want to change things. So you have to be able to listen and to aggregate that knowledge. Otherwise, it's waste of equity and waste of your time. And uh, yeah, so definitely there's a lot of human uh, human element to it, but nothing would help you more than actually traction. So if you are, for example, we have these kind of campaigns of, of, of publications. So we are right now running three programs and we are finishing them in, in early spring. And we're going to start the next ones in later spring. So actually keep an eye on our social media. We're launching things as of January. So it's always a good time. (laughs) And we also run an online pre-accelerator program for teams that we feel that need to catch up a little bit on their business basics. I actually forgot to mention, but we just counted it. We have almost 300 graduates, which is uh, incredible just for this online program. And it's equity free, no strings attached. Uh, That's something we see more as our I would say giving back to the, the ecosystem and to this to kind of the startup community. But yeah, I would say the time is now. You just kind of have to have to look for that opportunity. Uh, however, whatever you can build in terms of your product, whatever you can test, even if it's beta testers, even if it's just customer interviews, just show that you know your customer, show that you're willing to kind of see where the pain is. That's what yeah. we're looking at. Got it. I think that's really good advice. You know, talking to you has really made me want to visit the Baltic states. It sounds so wonderful. So in closing, I would love for you to tell me 
if I come and visited Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, what should I do? What should I eat? What should I see for sure? What would your local tip be for the region? For each oh of my them. God. <laughs> I would say, first of all, look me up when you're coming. But for anybody who is, who is listening, especially if you're into startups, it's just an incredible, it's an incredible ecosystem. So whichever country you go to, there are local hubs that are very active in this ecosystem. So one thing is reaching out to the associations who are kind of leading. So Startup Estonia, Startup Lithuania, Startup Latvia. So there are these organizations you can reach out if you want more like businessy, businessy trip and, and get insights. On the other hand, I hope when the, when the on-site things resume, there are really cool co-working hubs that are also home uh, for startups. We have just launched our own. So if you're coming to Tallinn, then Startup Wise Guys has an office there. You can you can drop by. There is also Lift 99 community. The whole Teliskivi area is just just incredible, especially in summertime. With a lot of you have the hubs with startups and, and creative industries, but you also have very nice outdoor restaurants and just generally very interesting area to visit. Uh, if you come to Riga, there are also kind of different hubs, and one of them is being Tech Hub, actually the sister organization in Latvia of the Tech Hub that was in London. And we are also located in the same building, and it's in a very scenic park. <laughs> so that's definitely a place to visit. Not, not only that, but definitely one of the things. And in, in Lithuania, there is a, an amazing fintech hub. It's called Rocket. And this is also where our fintech accelerator is seated right now and our team as well. But it's a community that also hosts a lot of events. And speaking, speaking of events, actually, the I hope the conference season will resume. And for example, already in May, there are two major events happening, maybe even three. So if by that time we can travel and actually see other humans and shake their hands... Yeah. I would highly advise to come to Latitude 59. It's a small event, but it's it's quintessence of Estonia. And there are other events to kind of keep an eye on what's happening. There are more events coming, I assume, in summer. Excellent. Well, I'm going to make sure that I add all the links to your report, to your accelerator, and some of these uh, hubs that you've mentioned in the podcast. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. I learned so much about your beautiful region. And like I said, it's now absolutely on my list of places to visit. Thank you very much for being on. Yep. Thanks so much, Anita. (laughs) 